0: Hi, I'm Zach Elwood, the host of the People Who Read People podcast. Before we get to the interview about the social deduction game, Secret Hitler, I just wanted to mention that, if you didn't already know, I'm the author of several books on reading poker behavior, a.k.a. Poker Tells. My first book is called Reading Poker Tells, and it's been translated into seven languages. I have two sequels to that book, and I also have a video series, which you can get at readingpokertells.video. If you enjoy this podcast or my other podcasts, Please give this a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Okay, here's the interview. Hello, and welcome to the People Who Read People podcast. This is Zach Elwood, and today is October 28th, 2019. Today I'll be talking to Polina Verzhekina. Polina is a software engineer based in Portland, Oregon, and she's also an avid game player. And today we're going to be talking about the game Secret Hitler, which is what's known as a social deduction game. Welcome to the show, Paulina.
1: Hey, how are you doing today?
0: Thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, I guess we'll start out with, yeah, how I invited Paulina on the show was, uh, I have some friends and acquaintances who play these games a lot. And I'd asked around about who the best player in town was basically, and Paulina's name came up. So I thought she'd be a good person to ask about these type of games. Do you agree, Paulina, that you're often or usually the best player at the table in these games? or?
1: That is very kind for you to say. Um... I i have been playing social deduction games for eight years now. So I think I've kind of developed some strategies that help me out.
0: Is there a more serious level of competition for these games? Or is it mostly just people playing with friends and, and acquaintances? Or is there like another level beyond that?
1: I've played uh, like in game stores, I've played more sort of competitive without friends per se, versions of this game. And I don't find them as interesting. I think you kind of get a lot of um, interesting parts in this game by playing with friends and kind of seeing how they play and working off that.
0: Mm, like playing with, getting getting people who regularly play and kind of getting to know their uh, their styles long term kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't know that you could play these kind of games at game stores, so are there some people that are are pretty competitive at that and do they play for you know money or prizes or anything like that?
1: I never played for money, but people do get competitive when it comes to winning. Mm-hmm. I think that's that brings a lot of joy to people.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's for people who aren't that familiar, could you describe what a social deduction game is, what these type of games are?
1: Right. So those games tend to be a little lower complexity when it comes to specific rules that are written on the paper. Um, where complexity kind of interest comes for me is when you engage with other players and kind of try to understand their gameplay. And understand how they interact with the game, and attempt to win, or yeah, attempt to win by sort of interacting and seeing what their identity could be. Um, More simply stated, um, it's a game usually of secret identities where somebody has an identity associated with them, Mm -hmm. and you essentially try to figure out what their identity is while potentially hiding yours.
0: Yeah, so Secret Hitler is just one of them. I don't know how many others you've played, but there's um, there's also you know Werewolf, Resistance, Avalon. Uh, have you played many of the other popular games?
1: I think you actually summed up all the ones I've played just now.
0: Oh, yeah, um, those are the real, real popular ones.
1: Yeah, I used to moderate in Werewolves in a while where you kind of get to see who everybody is and kind of see how they interact without being part of the game, which was more of a... It's a different experience than actually playing the game, but... Very, very interesting. Never lost.
0: Yeah, that would be. I, I would think to get get to watch people more because you're you're not in the game as much, so you you do more observation. Is that would that be accurate to say? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to do a very quick synopsis of the Secret of Hitler Rules. I'll just kind of do a monologue here. I'm, my goal is to sum up the the basic rules before we get into talking about like some of the patterns and behaviors and stuff. So I'll just try to do this real quick. Uh, first of all, secret Hitler is a very complex game and we obviously we can't go into all the intricacies of the game here. if you're curious about the gameplay, there's videos and, and text online about that. Uh, but some of the major da- dynamics are people in the game are either liberals or fascists or they're a specific fascist Hitler. Uh, liberals are the majority, but their weakness is that they don't know who anyone is. They don't know who the uh, yeah they don't know who uh, liberals are they don't know who fascists are. Fascists know who the other fascists are, including Hitler. Hitler doesn't know who anyone is. So one part of gameplay involves fascists trying to get fascist policies enacted and liberals trying to get liberal policies enacted. If fascists get six fascist policies enacted, they win. That's one way they win. And how these policies get enacted goes like this. Every turn, the next person clockwise takes the role of president and nominates one other player to be the chancellor. And if the majority of the players vote to elect the chancellor, chancellor, that player is elected. Next, if that person is elected, the president selects three cards from the deck, which includes liberal and fascist policies. The president discards one and passes two of them to the chancellor. The chancellor then also chooses to, to discard one and plays the one that he chooses. So this is where a lot of the deception comes in here, because the chancellor may opt to lie about what cards uh, the president handed them the president. Uh, So for example, if a fascist player became chancellor, he might be handed a liberal policy and a fascist policy and play the fascist policy, but claim he was handed two fascist policies. So try to smear the, the president as being the fascist and not him. So the game has a lot of these one person knows the other person is lying, but no one else knows who's lying kind of moments. So reading which person is telling the truth in these situations is a big part of the game. Uh, Another way fascists can win, besides getting the six fascist policies on the board, is if the secret Hitler is elected chancellor after three fascist policies have been enacted. So liberals have to be very careful about who is elected the later in the game it gets. But at the same time, there's pressure to to actually have someone elected, because if three turns go by without a successful election, the top policy from the deck is automatically enacted. And there are more fascist policies than liberal policies in the deck. So the pressure, the, the their time is, um, the clock is ticking because, you know, the longer the game goes without elections, the more fascist policies start to add up. A quick note about general strategies here. The liberal strategy is always to aim for being transparent and honest. The liberals have no benefit to lying or deceiving while the fascist strategy is to pretty much lay low and behave like normal liberals, like everybody else, in order to get their fascist policies enacted or to get a chance to elect Hitler if they get a chance to do, do that. So basically, the fascists have to balance advancing their cause without raising too much suspicion. Uh, so a big part of the game is knowing when to press ahead or when to lay low. Um, and that there's a lot more, obviously, but I just wanted to give that quick rundown. Was that a pretty good synopsis, Paulina, or do you have or any other major uh, rules that we should mention up front?
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, The only thing I would add is sort of kind of the powers that happen if fascist policies get elected. Um, The presidents that that had the presidency while those policies were elected get a special power, uh, which comes into play after usually first or second mission. And uh, a lot of these policies let you, for example, look at someone else's identity card. And uh then the President can choose to lie or say the truth about it, or later in the game they can have the power to uh killing power kill a person in the game,
2: mm.
1: not literally kill but uh take them out of gameplay mm-hmm. and essentially, if they kill Hitler, then the liberals win by default
0: uh so there can be there can be a uh, motivation even for the liberals to to use those fascist powers and and they might even theoretically try to. To get those powers, if they want, if they want to try to kill Hitler or something like that.
1: Yep, it is a strategy you can use. I do not recommend
0: it. Oh yeah, so you're, yeah, you're saying it's it's dangerous to to play with fire like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so now yeah, let's get into uh, some of the behavioral things, and I, I guess I should introduce this too as saying you can separate the deduction that you can have in this game. You can separate it into the more you know, logical side of just determining uh, who is who based on the pure actions they take, the pure activity that they make, or the more behavioral side, which is how somebody speaks or behaves. Uh, do you see a pretty good, you know, a distinction there between those two things?
1: Yeah, although I think when it comes to reading people, you have to look all of the, you have to look at all of those
0: things. You would say you're looking at all of those things, both the actions they've taken and their and their behaviors and forming your opinions.
1: Yep. Um, I usually keep kind of running tally of all the votes they've had and kind of reactions they have to different questions asked for them. Mm-hmm. And as a near stand, kind of try to piece together what they could be.
0: Do you do all that in your head? Yep. Because it can be, I know there's probably a, a pretty good uh, benefit to having a strong memory in this game, would you say? Because... It can, you know, one one game can last a pretty long time involving a lot of different votes. And would you say your memory is, is pretty strong for that?
1: Uh, I think, yeah, I had to develop strong memory for it. And it also helps if you're fascist or trying to throw the game having that memory. Because if you're playing with somebody who does not necessarily remember those things, it's much easier to influence the game. I think, like, the best players I've played it in the past have really good memory about those things. And it's very hard to, you know, bullshit them on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you get a sense of because you play with people pretty regularly, like the same group of players? Are there other players that you just know these guys are are good? I, I can't do anything. Uh, I can't do anything too tricky with them. Versus the players you know are are more at a uh, a more amateur level.
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like I use different strategies and folks I played with quite a bit versus uh, ones that are fairly new.
0: Let's talk about uh, what are some of the more beginner level tells and behaviors that. You know, people that first learn the game have. Can you talk about some of the ones that you find most useful?
1: There's a couple tells. Um, Usually beginners take a way longer time to look at cards and play them. Um, So, a good example, a thing that happens in this game a lot is you might get three fascist policies um, because there tends to be more fascist policies in the deck. So, as president, you're very likely to draw three fascist policies or usually two fascists and one liberal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, beginners will, if they have a choice, if they get presented a you know, a blue card and two reds or just at least one of each, they tend to take longer to look at them versus if they got three fascists, they would usually take shorter time to look at it. And that way you can kind of tell if they actually had a choice mm-hmm. to give cards, to give a choice or to not, um, versus more... You know, players that have been playing it for a while usually take the same time no matter what. So it's kind of hard to tell.
0: Right. So they pause a few seconds just to give themselves coverage for when they need to think later. So they're just really consistent.
1: Yeah. And you can kind of um, you can kind of also tell where the eyes go, actually. So if you have three cards, um, they will focus on one of them. Mm. And that usually means it's either a liberal and you have two fascist or a fascist one is two more liberals so it's it's important to kind of also tell if they're kind of moving their eyes about these cards or they're focusing on one
0: right and so what do you say it's usually the it's with somebody who's actually thinking like that it's usually going to be a fascist deciding what to do because the liberals have easier decisions right um
1: actually depends on you they are so if they're very new and they're not Familiar with the game, they could be kind of trying to figure out.
0: That's true. You know which
1: one do I put down? Mm-hmm. But if they played a couple more times, but they're not, you know, as experienced in it yet. Usually, mm-hmm. usually it's a good tell.
0: Yeah, that reminds me because I've only played this game myself like a, a handful of times in one night, and it was interesting because there were so many, you know, absolutely new players, and just kind of like in poker too, the, the the very new players, you just can't rely on any information from them because they're just behaving in completely you know absurd ways like th- there was a uh person who was you know liberal who kept acting like a fascist even after <laughs> we explained there was no literally no benefit to that but you know so you get yeah it's like you said it's like if they're super beginner there's no telling what's going on but you need a, you need a little baseline uh skill there to to be able to read what's uh, get some semblance of, of what's going on uh okay so besides the um the length of time looking at cards and the eye direction, anything else come to mind as far as things that have been really useful for you?
1: Kind of more of a overall game versus individual thing um, or individual moment in the game is uh, beginners kind of tend to call people out more on the current play or the thing that just happened and um, kind of ignore or not ignore, but kind of put aside the continuity of their actions so, for example, if I was fascist and I played, you know, a very important t- time in the game, I played a fascist policy, but later in the game, I played a liberal policy. Beginners would tend to latch onto that. And when it comes to kind of accusing people, specifically beginners that are fascist, tend to be more vocal and move their accusations to the person that just did the most fascist thing. hmm Um, So this is kind of a tell on how you can tell a beginner and kind of how fascist beginners operate from my perspective.
0: Yeah, it it makes sense because I had noticed that too. It was like, if they claim that somebody lied early in the game, that should stick with them, right? And instead, if they're pretending to be liberal and and they just made it up, they won't remember that as much. So in a similar thing, what what you're saying, they, they tend to just focus on the thing that's in front of them and not you know, not the thing that they claimed, you know, several minutes ago, because they're just not putting in that work to be consistent.
1: That's something that just comes with gameplay. Mm-hmm. I think the more you learn about the game, the more you kind of develop those strategies.
0: One question I had about this game was, you know, there's the concept of game theory optimal, like what's the, what's the approach that very skilled players would take versus each other? Do you feel like does the, the more skilled players you play with, does the game sort of drift towards, you know, complete silence or, you know, are people still trying to, do you think people would still be trying to fool each other and, and talk a lot? Or do you think it becomes more and more silent the, the stronger the competition gets?
1: Um, it be, there's becomes a whole lot more influence, I want to say. Um, so kind of a good example, I'm thinking about more of a fascist tell from someone who's played in a while is uh, they chose chose very strategic moments to convince me of something. Um, so they will stay quiet until it becomes important. Like after the third fascist mission is passed, I'm uh, just kind of to remind um, after a third fascist mission, if uh, Hitler is elected chancellor, it will be game over for liberals. So if at that point people kind of start kind of trying to get your opinion or hint you at something, it becomes kind of a minefield almost of being influenced. Mm. Um, So I find those games really fascinating. It, It becomes quieter overall until in the moments where there's a lot of pressure and then you suddenly start having a lot of these influences and trying to pick through those.
0: Yeah, I would think that would be interesting because I would think, you know, It kind of with the more skilled players, you start drifting towards people being more quiet and more cautious with their behavior. But then, like you said, you would have those spots where somebody's trying to influence you, and maybe you can get a read based on like, okay, even though this is a skilled player, like why is he trying to influence me in this, you know, specific moment? And then that that can be a decent tell. You're saying from even from somebody who's who's quite good because they're kind of forced into it. They've they feel the pressure to try to influence you.
1: Oh, yeah. I joke um, that when I'm liberal, people don't trust me a lot in this game anymore. Uh, <laughs> I've thrown a fair amount of people under the bus. But uh, when I'm liberal and somebody comes up to me you know, on the side and starts being like, who do you trust? Do you think they're fascists? I'm like, there's 99% chance you're fascist right now and you're trying to influence me. Like people people don't come to me like that, and usually people don't trust me and they don't want to hear my opinion as bad as that sounds, <laughs> so when people do, I'm like, "Oh, I think you're fascist, I think you're trying to influence me
0: When you get a reputation like that that people you know respect your game and don't trust you, does the game become harder, or do you just have to adjust your your strategies
1: It becomes much harder, and I have to adjust my strategies. So what ends up happening when people don't trust you is people tend to target you for investigation. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: as a reminder, um, as one or two fascist policies get passed, the president uh, who passed the fascist policy gets to have investigative powers. So a lot of the time I'll be a target of investigation, (laughs) which will make it very, very hard for me to stay anonymous fascist.
2: Right, um,
1: And when I see that happening game to game, I start throwing my game. So I start f- playing fairly uh, different, mm-hmm. no matter who I am, liberal or fascist. So people will kind of start either believing that I play bad or kind of stop focusing on knowing my identity. And then I can go back to my old ways. <laughs>
0: So I'd imagine, um, you know, even though, I mean, when, when people know you're a skilled player like that, even though they might be distrustful that you're, a, you know, a deceitful fascist, I would imagine when you get investigated and it's obvious that you're a liberal, it must be, you must have super uh, sway in the game. You Like you can influence the game a lot at that point because everyone's going to listen to you. Is that true?
1: That happens sometimes. Then it kind of depends on who's investigating because oh. then there's a chance they think both are fascists
0: right that's a good thing to point out we, did, we didn't mention i don't think that uh, that's that's also hidden information so if the president or whoever investigates you then they can't tell everyone that it's just you you both know that but nobody else knows that right yeah so that's a it's one player says this the other player says that gotcha it's
1: a game of he said sh- he said she said <laughs> at the end of the day
0: any other tells behaviors stand out as as meaningful besides um the ones we mentioned either for beginner players or more skilled players?
1: Oh, there's many little tells. Um, I'll just go through a few of them that I pay attention to. Um, so I think people's body language betrays them a lot when it comes to more advanced players. Um, so for example, I, I get heated up when I lie. So, um, I tend to, if I know I'm fascist, I eat some ice cubes to cool down my body temperature. And, uh, A lot of the time when people lie to your face, um, they tend to get a little redder. Mm. So that's a good thing to know. Um, Another kind of thing that I picked up on is language. So as the game kind of advances and people get heated up and less careful with what words they use, a victory for the liberals, they could use the word, we are about to win versus liberals are about to win. So when... Mm. When we're saying we're about to win, they kind of incorporate themselves with the liberals. Chances are they are liberal versus, you know, liberals are about to win means, you know, Mm -hmm. chances are they're more likely fascists.
0: Right. Gives you a little bit extra, extra info. Yeah.
1: And um, just other small words like that throughout, like, you know, being happy if a liberal policy got passed in the first kind of few seconds of the card being laid down, you can tell a lot about people's feelings about it from their facial expression.
0: Yeah, so that reminds me, because uh, I had written a, um, a blog post about playing, uh, you know, just with my limited, uh, I played one night, you know, a few games, and I'd written a blog post on my site, readingpokertails.com. And one of the things, I had kind of set myself a uh, challenge to like see how quickly I could, just from behavior, try to guess who was most likely the, uh, the fascist. And one thing I noticed was, like as soon as we all looked up, because you start out the game. If if people don't know, you start out the game. You know, with your eyes closed, and people, the fascists put out their, put out their fingers, and and people, the fascists know who they are. So when everybody starts the game, I got a sense of the people that were uh, the liberals are much more curious. They're open, right? They're looking around trying to figure out who's who, but the fascists are much more uh, kind of uh, reserved. You know, they're they're kind of uh, feeling furtive. So. The one thing I noticed was right, right off the bat, the, uh, the fascists were kind of like looking down and, and looking more reserved where the liberals were like looking around really like happily and anxiously like, I want to see, you know, who's doing what. And yeah, that was, so that was an interesting thing right there. Just that body language, immediate body language uh, playing out.
1: Interesting. I think I've kind of seen that from person to person as opposed to um, what their role is is uh, one individual comes to mind when they're fascists. He's very, like, leans in. He's he's in the table and he starts looking at people. And I'm like, all right. But when he's liberal, he kind of starts looking when he's kind of at the back of the chair. So Mm, I feel like... So
0: he's trying to be tricky. Yeah, he's definitely player-specific, you're saying. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I think after you play with one person for a bit, you learn a lot about them and then they have to start throwing their game a bit.
0: Right. Yeah. And that, that's a good point too. Cause the one, the stuff I was looking at was like, these were very beginner level people, you know, they had, most of them had just learned that that night. So it was definitely a, you know, a very uh, getting very, very beginner level tells. Uh, but that's awesome that you get, you've actually gotten like, you know, that's like some very player specific uh, knowledge. That's, that reminds me of some, you know, some poker tell knowledge when you play with, some regulars for a long time you get that kind of detailed knowledge about their tendencies uh any other like player specific things come to mind where uh somebody acts in a very specific way uh that is kind of unusual for in a general sense but very applicable to them
1: well um this is more kind of a general game thing but Uh, fascists don't tend to put other fascists in um, missions with them. So um, I kind of look a lot into, you know, voting pattern of the president before they, they, you know, pick their chancellor. And if I tend to kind of be skeptical of them as being liberal, I see who they put on chancellor missions with them, and I kind of believe them more. So what I found is if you're a fascist, you do not want another fascist. On on the ticket with you, because if it becomes um, a fascist policy comes out of that ticket, um, you're potentially risking having two people under scrutiny, Mm. which is a high percentage of um, your team per se. So it's it's very rare to see a fascist president with uh, another fascist as a chancellor. It's kind of an interesting game (laughs) dynamic. Um, I tend to vote. I actually tend to vote no in a lot of missions, just to kind of potentially fail missions and see how people vote and get more information about them.
0: Um, and missions, missions are the are the votes. Yeah, the. Uh, I think I had read about some strategy that was, it was like purposely passing a a liberal and a fascist policy to the chancellor so you could you know test them. Like there was some, some value to doing that, even though you, you obviously run the risk of um, getting the fascist policy played. Is that a strategy that, that you use or is that a common one?
1: I think, um, I mean, it's it's a lot of players use it in the beginning of the game when you're not getting close to the end. Um, it's, a bit, it's kind of risky to use by then because having another fascist policy just gets fascist one step closer to winning. Um, But I also do not see a lot of chancellors who are fascists with a liberal president passing fascist policies. It's not as common. So they could easily be a fascist and pass a liberal policy to kind of gain trust Uh, from the people.
0: I see. In the early stages, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think one of the kind of the best tells of who a liberal is, is if they get to a policy where they have a chance to have killing power, and they still pass a liberal policy, they're almost 100% guaranteed to be liberal.
0: What about uh, eye contact? Do you notice anything with that when people are looking you in the face and accusing you or anything pop up for eye contact?
1: I think, yeah. So as a fascist, when I get accused by somebody who looks straight into my eyes without blinking, I know they know. Um, Mm. And in that case, i just try to make them seem irrelevant. Um, But when I'm a liberal and you got to throw somebody under the bus to, to stay relevant. Name of
0: the the game.
1: Right. But no, when I'm liberal, I do tend to ask people if they're fascist and see their response. And I don't actually kind of look at their reaction because people at this point think they are, you know, expecting it sort of, but it does, um, does kind of stress them enough where you know they can slip up with language later. They can get a little red and heated later. Um, I don't actually do it to kind of gain information from that question, but kind of throw
0: them off their feet. And uh, when you say the uh, throwing under the bus, that you're referring to um, basically convincing everyone that that person is a fascist.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not the nicest thing to do, but a lot of the time when I'm fascist, um, if I'm president, I'll throw out a liberal and give them two fascists and then convince myself almost that I gave them a choice. And when they understandably not, not pass liberal policy, get very shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, it can backfire fairly easily. So people can not trust me. They can not trust either one of us and take us both at the running. I would only kind of do that if there is a chain of trust between uh, that person and someone else. So if it's another liberal then investigated another liberal at the time, I can throw them under a bus. It will take out two liberals from kind of the rotation of presidency mm. um, and myself.
0: Gotcha. So it's a bit of a self-sacrifice to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, are you more likely to uh, to do that move against an relatively unskilled player? Or would you do that? regardless if you just thought it was a good strategy?
1: I would do it against an unskilled player. It's, it's easier for me to kind of uh, seem believable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There, there's a kind of couple things I do to seem believable, and uh, it's much easier for me to kind of play off their shock mm-hmm. um, when I throw them under the bus. So it's, it's much easier for me to kind of throw a newbie who might not be expecting it under bus.
0: Right. And it, it be, yeah. Do you have examples of that? Cause I know like I can, I can kind of know what you're talking about because more beginner level players kind of respond in kind of known expected ways. So I'm sure you have, you know, certain strategies for, for making yourself seem more believable.
1: Um, so yeah, there's a couple things I do personally and, uh, a lot of it is kind of, uh, playing into real life. So, if I am a fascist and uh, say somebody wants to investigate me, I uh, I fully convince myself that in real life, I'm not a fascist. Um, I am a liberal. So if somebody in real life would approach me and tell me I'm fascist, I'd be shocked. Um, not getting too much into politics, but I kind of, you know, step myself out. I'm not my card. I'm who I am. Hmm. So when I get investigated by someone who to be liberal, and they call me fascist, I kind of externalize that and I feel shocked and then people believe my facial expression over theirs Hmm. sometimes.
0: Wow that's a that's a that's an advanced uh advanced technique.
1: And another thing I do is when I'm president or when I'm chancellor and I'm expecting to pass a fascist policy I will kind of almost not look at the cards I will know I'm passing a fascist policy Mm. and um you know when I pick up those cards I just immediately go for the red I'm primed to look at red and I see red and that's what I play. <laughs> and it's kind of the same when I'm passing them to fascist policies.
0: Mm-hmm. That's kind of reminds me in the cliche in poker is if you can convince yourself you've got a strong hand, you know, you've got a much better chance of um, your bluff succeeding.
1: I've done that definitely when I had uh, two red cards, even though they're off suit. So when I had a heart and, uh, wow, well, I'm forgetting now.
0: Oh, the, uh, diamonds
1: diamonds oh my god when i had two like low reds red suit cards i'd be like they're both hearts oh, yeah. that's what yeah, i see
0: convince yourself yes change change reality any other um, behavioral patterns come to mind like one thing i was thinking about was um just the sheer amount of talking that that people do like they're especially for i guess it's probably more a um beginner level tell but when liberals are relaxed, they're much more talkative than those same players are when they, you know, take the turn playing the fascist, you know, so sometimes just the, the sheer amount of loquaciousness can be a clue.
1: Oh, absolutely. That and um, kind of who they throw under the bus or who do they claim to be fascist. So liberals will tend to pick, you know, one, two, three people and kind of stick with them. Versus fascists can, you know, in the beginning of the game, pick these two people and then at the end of the game have completely different two, three people that they believe are fascists mm. um, to kind of, depending on how the game goes, if if there is a major shift in their perception, they might, they might be kind of shifting as to what other people believe as opposed to what they believe.
0: Mm, yeah, and you're saying liberals will remain more consistent because they remember those slights and assaults longer.
1: Yeah. Um, and another kind of thing, and that's toward more comfortable in the game fascists, um, they tend to throw, from my experience, someone who's played up for a while and is a fascist will throw, you know, two to three people under the bus. And one of those will be a fascist, the rest will be liberal. Um, so that way, if kind of they're they they have a moment of believability if that, you know, one of them who's fascist mm-hmm. acts more fascist mm-hmm. But if they throw that person under a bus, they potentially throw another, you know, two people who might be liberal under the bus and take them out of rotation, make themselves be more believable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so when somebody, like, claims these three people are fascists, I think one of these three people is definitely fascist. And the person who's claiming that, they could be liberal, but if they're very convinced on these three people and that's something that's shifted over time.
0: One of those three fascists. Is it ever a strategy to, for some one of the fascists to kind of make it obvious that they're fascists so that the other players can more easily, more easily disguise themselves as liberal by, you know, throwing that obvious fascist under the bus. Is that ever something people do or is that that you would never do that because you'd never want to make it obvious
1: uh, I'm laughing a bit, but we actually, um, myself and this other player, um, we kind of talked before the game and we're like, if we both wake up as fascists, we're going to do this gameplay. Uh, what he ended up doing is, uh, you know, we woke up, we we're both fascists. Uh, somebody else was fascist as well. And there was a Hitler. And uh, in the beginning of the game, that person was like, I am fascist. So is Polina. And so is this, you know, person, let's call him Bob. But Bob was liberal. So ah. Bob gets truthfully offended and like, I'm not fascist. This person who's calling us out is fascist. And I'm like, I'm not fascist. They're fascist. Um, and then, yes, this person threw themselves under a bus, but there is very good trust in me now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got I got Killing Power twice that game. Oh, wow. Interesting. Game. Yeah. So, it ended up being a very interesting play. So, it's convincing me that those kinds of plays to make yourself obviously fascist could
0: work. Mm, Yeah, it's just about how you follow up with it and what you do with it after that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting.
1: And if – also, if you have a liberal who believes you're fascist, they're very keen on you being fascist. You can kind of hint your votes and have them voting the opposite um so a couple times that happened i was fascist and i knew this like this one person was on me they knew who two of the fascists were like they had it all um and then i was like you know hitler gets proposed to be chancellor and i make this face being like no that's a bad idea let's not do that (laughs) and this person is like that's a great idea let's vote yes for
2: this
1: (laughs) and of course last minute i flip a yes and we elect this person as um Hitler. Mhm. So it's like you can if you know what to do with it if if somebody knows you're fascist you can kind of get them to vote differently can throw under other people under the bus. If somebody suspects you're fascist you investigate a liberal they start thinking that liberal's Hitler. So it <laughs> depends what you do with them.
0: Yeah, there's all these I mean it, that was the one thing that struck me with the game. It was a lot of fun but it was also most like too many factors. It, it just seemed like I just got the sensation of like all these factors being present that I only had a, enough time or brain power to act on a few of them, you know?
1: Um. So I guess on that is like pick your forte. Like my forte is checking voting patterns and checking for groups of votes. So whether I'm fascist or liberal, I will use that information later in the game to either to mostly gain trust in myself. So if I pick up on some patterns, you know, I'm fascist and there's two liberals that have been voting the same and say they voted on a mission that failed, I will I will use that fact later in the game and try to put them both as fascists. And because I speak with conviction, because I did see their vote, not necessarily kind of the meaning of that vote, people tend to trust me. Hmm.
0: And I guess it's like they say, one of the big goals of the fascists is, is just... Um... You know creating chaos like the more chaos and uncertainty you can create the longer the game goes on and the more chances there are of uh getting the fascist policies out
1: yeah and actually another interesting thing i want to add is um if fascists or people you suspect to be fascists kind of super loud have a lot of opinions about things and it's the mission we're picking hitler as chancellor matters and you know somebody proposes we put this person who's hitler and they just get silent or don't want to talk about it, and they've played this game a decent amount, almost guarantee that person's Hitler.
2: Mm, Especially mm-hmm.
1: if they've played this game a lot, they do not want to have their opinions associated with that person. Because mm. a lot of the time, if you have your opinions associated to people, people will think you two are on the same team. And uh, as a fascist, you never want to have Hitler associated
0: with a fascist. Yeah, so they'll you'll get information by... Unusual amount of of silence when they're usually more more animated.
1: People always have opinions. If somebody doesn't have an opinion about something, that's fishy.
0: Something's fishy. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be kind of fun to study the um, several games in a row with the same players and see what uh try to try to find other verbal uh, little verbal tells. That would be kind of fun.
1: I I actually I have this player that always figures out I'm fascist, so I'm trying to figure out what my tells are right now, <laughs> mm. and it's hard. I've tried changing up things. I tried, you know, eating ice cubes, drinking tea, all that, all those small things. And they still figure it out. So I'm like, Hmm. I I think a lot of it is also like how you use your arms, kind of how long you look at people when you try to figure out things about them. It's like, you got to be aware of a lot of these things, or at least kind of, you know, be able to tell what exactly you're doing with your body. And I think that's important in a lot of social deduction games.
0: And you feel that they're reading you pretty well you don't think it's just a um just the luck of the draw that they've they've guessed you a few times
1: they'll guess me even when i'm not on a mission <laughs> figuring out
0: what's happening
1: they've played this game for a while so
0: oh i gotta gotta watch the game uh game tape recorded and, and play it back <laughs> and study study the game tape <laughs> uh, maybe one day that might be too much effort for this for this game <laughs> um Anything else uh, come to mind uh, that we haven't talked about yet?
1: No, I think we covered most of it.
0: Yeah, no, I think that was uh, that was pretty great. Uh, well, awesome. Trying to think, uh, what else I got here in my questions list? And you said you liked uh, you you thought playing if you were playing with like really tough competition, that's not as you would say that's not as fun uh, an experience as playing with a few, you know, a more a more uh, standard set of people
1: so uh, i've played with um i played a 10 person game before with uh two poker players not including myself and a few kind of veteran werewolf resistance avalon players Mm -hmm. and i didn't know them i that was my first time playing with a lot of them and um it was it was much quieter actually um and i had to i had to work harder and to kind of figuring out their micro-tells, like eye contact, inflection of the voice. Another thing I guess I failed to mention is uh, people's voice of pitch does get higher unless they train it, if they lie. So I had to pick up more on that versus kind of decipher person I've played with for a while and kind of seeing what they're doing right now and uh, comparing it to their previous plays. Hmm. So it was a lot more a lot less comparative of, you know, how they play liberal versus how they play fascist and a lot more like eye contact, inflection of voice, language, how much they move their hands, even how hard they clutch their card. Uh, So what I found, not with the poker players, but a couple of the resistance players is when they're fascist, they bring their card very close to themselves. Like they want to hide it. Versus liberals, like leave it on the table or like leave it around their drink. Um, So like picking up on a lot more universal clues like that versus, you know, what a person does
0: Mm -hmm. day to day, game to game. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I don't know if you, if you ever get a chance to, if you ever do play in those games again, um, if you'd be into it, let me know. Cause I always thought it'd be interesting to videotape one of those games with high level players. Cause I just like, I would like to study it, you know, and I think other people would like to study it too. So if you ever do get in that situation and you think the other people would be interested, I like, I would set up a couple cameras and, you know, make a, make a little video of it or something and might be fun.
1: Yeah, That'd be kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Look for some, look for some interesting, you know, patterns and, and tells and the, the players might look at it as a, Chance to like study themselves and see see how they play from a distance or something. Uh, okay, if yeah, if, unless you have anything else, I think we could wrap it up.
1: yeah oh, that's it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time.
0: Oh yeah, and and again, this was uh, Polina Verzhaykina. Uh, did I say it right this time?
1: You got it. You got it
0: Okay. Again, Polina is a software engineer based in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Polina. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the People Who Read People podcast. My website is readingpokertells.com. If you'd like to find the blog post I wrote about reading behavior in Secret Hitler, just Google Secret Hitler behavior and you should find it. If you enjoyed the podcast, very much appreciate it if you give it a rating. Thanks.